0: Hello, I'm Carrie Gard and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Welcome back to season 11. I hope you were able to catch my conversation with Kaya Adams and Alexandra McWelly. If not, be sure to skip back and hang out with us as we talk about how Kaya and Alex built a team of business development representatives as a marketing department. Super powerful, super awesome. In this episode, I chat with Hannah Jakover, where she gives me my, ver- my very first lesson in Web3. She's so passionate about Web3 that she actually left her previous company to be able to dedicate time into really digging into Web3 and becoming an expert. Hannah is a technical demand gen- generation marketer with a proven track record of strategies and programs that accelerate revenue. She has deep experience in the optimization of high performance tactics and marketing automation technologies that build and measure pipeline. She has a strong history of client loyalty and retention with marketing and sales executives at B2B tech companies. And she has a thorough understanding of marketing strategy, the importance of data and attribution and execution. Most importantly, she can clearly articulate KPIs to decision makers. Here's my conversation with Hannah. Hannah, thank you for joining me on Tea Time.
1: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you. This is going to be an awesome conversation. Before we get there, I always like people to kick off with their story. I always like to say we, as children, we <laughs> asked what we wanted to be when we grew up. It was not marketing leader. So we all have such an adventure on how we've gotten to where we've gotten to. So tell us, tell us Hannah, what's your story? What do you do? And how did you get there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gosh, I I wear so many hats. Um, However, I have been focused on demand gen and marketing operations, um, and really just revenue acceleration from a marketing standpoint for the entirety of my career. Um, And I started on the agency side. So I, you know, agency, working in an agency is like dog years. So it was really a great experience for me to kind of get in feet first and just really start running into some of the problems that a lot of these marketing leaders today and yesterday were experiencing from, you know, marketing technology to team development, to understanding, you know, how, which marketing strategies to employ and why and um, how to roll that all into the bigger goal of revenue. So that's really been my focus over the past 10 years and, um, yeah, have really enjoyed my time on the agency side there for the majority of my career. And then the last year I I actually had been working at a startup called Mad Kudu and running, um, heading up their demand gen there.
0: I have so many questions, but before I dive into those, why don't you talk through what's one challenge you're currently facing right now?
1: Yes, that is a good question. Um, You know, I think like one challenge that I noticed that I was facing in moving from sort of the um, agency to in-house side is just the way that you the way that you need to um, up level communication and like the level of detail to bring so you kind of go through these like peaks and valleys in your career of like saying, okay, you need to give as much detail as possible and tell me everything that's happening and be able to communicate that. And that's what we tell people to do, to learn how to do. But then as you progress in your career, you need different levels of that, right? So Um, when you're communicating with executives, it's like get to the point, summarize, like ask for whatever it is you're asking for up front. So I think helping people to go through those different peaks and valleys is definitely top of mind for me um, and something that I also experienced myself because, you know, you want to give all of this information, but you want to still be very clear and concise. And I think that we sort of, teach people to do it the opposite way. So it's hard to go backwards. It's hard to say, okay, I was taught to, you know, absorb all of this like immense amount of information and decide what to do with it. And now I'm being told to, um, really not bring all of that to the table even though I spent all that time absorbing it and learning it and practicing it and now I have to summarize it for all these different people and how do I actually do that what's the right way to summarize it who do I like how do I summarize it for different types of people and communicate what I actually want to communicate without you know having them fall asleep without like going too into the weeds without saying the wrong thing. So I think that's, um, a big challenge for not just me, but for everybody that I'm engaged with around me. And just generally speaking, I think it's a big challenge for people.
0: It is. It's really hard, especially when you, On the agency side, right, you need to show up with all of the information because you need to give as much context to your clients as possible of what's happening behind the scenes so that then they, it's what you're saying, so then you can take all of that information and then sort of sort it out and divvy it up and be like, okay, who needs to know which piece of this. And it's the same with data. Like I find that with data, we absorb all this data and then we feel feel like we need to share it all. Like here's all the data that we found. Oh, but we only care about this one piece over here. That's actually doing anything that we're actually going to go like act on. It's like, well, tell that story. And then if a client really needs all the other stuff, like put, put in the appendix, and they can go dig into that later. Right. Like when you're trying to storytell, it's really hard to take much information and and mm-hmm. tell it all great.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally yeah great. yeah just simplifying over the last year has been really like how do we everything just feels so overcomplicated. like how do we undo some of that
0: what habits so hard
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so let's talk about where you are now you made a shift you're no yeah. longer working for mad kudo
1: Mad Perhaps. Kudu, yes, yes. Kudu. So I'm no longer at Mad Kudu, um, and I'm no longer I'm no longer on the agency side, really. Well, sort of. But um, I, yeah, I made a shift last, um, well, at the beginning of the year, and kind of just decided to bet on myself. And I'm branching out and and sort of taking all of my years of what I have been doing and just and turning that into a consulting business. So um, I'm able to do. The same things that I have been doing, um, however, on that one-to-one basis. And, you know, my goal there is to really go directly to the people that I want to help and I want to have an impact with in terms of their business. Um, And that means removing third parties. Um, And so I'm I'm just kind of trying my best to get as close to that one-to-one interaction as possible because I know then my impact can be bigger.
0: So who are you looking to work with or who are you working with?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm working with a few different agencies and um, sort of filling some fractional roles there. um, And then also consulting for their clients, um, you know, under the umbrella of demand gen and marketing operations. And then the other side of my business, um, and I I guess I'll say also like startups and um, just, just teams that don't have enough people or resources, and they're trying to be successful in the BDB tech space when it comes to Demand generation, marketing operations, that umbrella. Um, and then the other side of it is I've spent a lot of my career doing professional development, mentoring, coaching, um, you know, very informally through being a manager or, um, you know, working with different nonprofit organizations and things like that. So I'm also, you know, wrapping into my business an element of coaching and professional development, which I'm really excited to offer. Um, And from my perspective, I, I think there's a serious gap in the way that we coach people on our teams and You know, you hear the term executive coach, leadership coach all of the time, um, which really do focus for the most part on that, like kind of C-suite executive level. And I think that we've done such a disservice to our, you know, mid-level to senior managers and and young Mm -hmm. directors and we've kind of skipped over them, and instead mm-hmm. we're we're trying to solve the problem when they're executives versus where they are today. Uh, so I my goal is to get close to that audience and and help to close that gap because I think that it is a critical a critical gap that we need to close that can actually change the trajectory of not only an individual, not only an organization, but the technology space as a whole, which. We all know we are supposed to be the leaders of this innovation and the way that we, you know, kind of shape the world. And so I think it's critical that we address those gaps today um, and be able to kind of make an impact there.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. It feels like you're you've really found that this calling, especially right now in, in what we're all facing as marketers. Um, from the great resignation and needing to fill these seats to also recognizing that the reason why we don't have these seats is because we've left a generation behind and we need to go help them catch up and we need to do it fast and the best way to do that. I love how you're approaching this. Like, yes, like that one-to-one mentorship, I think is so powerful Oh, and inspiring. So I, you know, however I can help it, I wish you all the best for sure. Thank um, you. And what we want to talk about today is is a little bit from a demand generation standpoint and um, bringing to light a little bit more of what you do around that. And in our initial conversation, you were incredibly passionate about community. and I mean, and then that's coming through leaps and bounds and these challenges you're trying to solve um, for your clients. In community, when we were talking in relation to brands and building communities and the impact on that for brands can be really powerful can you just talk a little bit more for our audience I feel like I'm doing a really terrible job here of like giving, giving it the the light that it deserves and like what you mean by community and what you mean by how brands can really lean into that
1: yeah yeah um, I think we've gotten distracted, you know. I think that we've gotten a little distracted, and we've over—just as I was saying earlier, like we've overcomplicated things, you know. Especially when it comes to marketing, um, it's 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 really not that hard, right? It's really not that hard in terms of concepts to understand, but we keep drilling it down and taking it apart and putting it back together and building all these new tools. And I think what we've forgotten through that, um, and that we're a lot of people and brands and organizations are starting to kind of get back to is that, um, the relationships drive everything, right? The relationships between our employees, the relationships between our customers, the relationships between every individual that touches our organization or, or we want to, you know, um, engage with, and that is the driver. Um, And also from the perspective of, you know, pulling in that coaching aspect of do we have the right people that know how to build these relationships, that know how to pull out the best of these relationships in order to move the business forward? So I think that um, community is so incredibly important from that lens that we kind of get back to relying on those relationships and allowing what we learn from those relationships to then make decisions about our businesses. Because yes, data is obviously important, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what the customer actually wants and what the customer is actually experiencing. And in their own words not being necessarily passed through kind of all these various parties to get to some end result. So, I think that having a focus on community is extremely important in terms of developing as a business and understanding what people actually want. And how do how do we just like remove all of the lingo, remove all of the technology and just get to back to the basics to understand what the real challenges are and what they want. You know, if we just ask somebody like, what's on your mind today, what's keeping you up at night? What's, you know, well, and preferably one question at a time, but (laughs) we just need to kind of get back to, I think, asking some of those questions to those that are engaged in our business. And if you're engaged in our business, that is, you are a part of the community, right? So that's kind of how I define it.
0: Engaged in the business, what does that mean in terms of, you know, you've talked a lot about having conversations and connection, you know, and as marketers, I wonder if there's a lot of, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but the mentality of, isn't that sales jobs? (laughs) Ask the question, whether I agree with it or not, I just feel like, Well, we're more of like that broad messaging stuff, and and like sales is that one to one. Like, are we encroaching? Are we stepping on toes? Like, what does that mean to go out and like have conversations with our audience? Like, that sounds
1: yeah, a little gray. I, yeah, I suppose, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways you can define it. And from, for me personally, like I'm in the, I'm in the business of people, right? Like I don't really care if you're in sales or marketing, like if you're in the business of people, then you should always be concerned about having those conversations and building those relationships, you know, regardless of if you sit in sales or marketing. So I honestly do think that Sit like some sales, not all salespeople, but some salespeople, like they're asking the questions that marketing should be asking. Um, When we, and I'll give an example, when we, I help people with their lead management, um, essentially just like, how is a lead moving through their process, both from a um, process perspective, but also how are we then operationalizing it within your tools? And Most of the time, we we hold these workshops, these lead management workshops, where we bring together sales and marketing, and we're kind of hearing from each person in their role what the challenges are that they're facing, what the information that they absolutely need to move forward in their tasks. Like, so what are their blockers? And about 90% of the time, I hear from, you know, SDRs or um, AEs, anyone on the sales team that... They're asking questions that should have been asked like way earlier in the process, and as a result, they're they're less efficient. We can't prioritize the right people and send them the right people. We're having the wrong conversations because if we had that information ahead of time, we would be able to have the right conversation because we already know enough about what they're looking to do. We are removing um, some of that uh, responsibility. So then that's freeing up time for the salesperson. And, um, we're just learning, we're just learning more about them. So we're being really, we're being much more efficient in this process. So when you ask me, like, is that really just the job of sales i think it depends i think it depends on the information that we're trying to obtain and i think if it's a reasonable ask for marketing to take that on then it's more efficient for everybody um i do hear people say kind of make the comparison of like oh like is marketing just the new sales um and i don't know honestly i don't know if it matters like i think that sure. Like, I I think if, if you're in marketing, you should be able to be a good salesperson. You should be learning from sales. You should be asking those discovery questions, understanding, you know, what makes people tick and what, what the, what the solution is that they need. So you can help, you know, communicate that. Um, So back to my original point, that was a really long-winded answer, but like you're in the people business, right? Like it's about people, it's Mm -hmm. about psychology, it's about communication. It's not about, Sales and marketing. Um, so I think if you look at it through that lens, it's kind of all starts to make a little more sense.
0: You said that sales comes back to marketing with a lot of questions. What are what are some of those questions? What are they, what are they asking?
1: Um, I think it depends on the context, but you know, for a lot of sales, sales um, folks, when they're getting information from marketing, a lot of it is why you know like why this person why did this person come to me or um, what does this mean you know what do you want me to do with this person so it kind of aligns with like having a process in place having service level agreements in place having just like that those clear definitions of like I'm going to do this and then this is the expected result and here's what that result should mean. Um, and if there's anything that doesn't align within that, then we have a conversation, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and we have these kind of like guardrails that help us stay within that. Um, but yeah, I think those questions are usually like, what do you want me to do? Why did I get this? How do I prioritize all of this? You know? Um, Normal questions like that. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, and very normal. And and I totally get that. And I think it's incredibly valid. Um in terms of marketing and talking to your audience, I think this is so at the heart of everything we're saying when we're talking about building community. You're talking about, so how do you go about doing that? I Understand why it's important, right? We've talked a lot about the why you want to build community, why you want to listen to your audience, why you want to care what they think, versus what we think they, they care about, which we tend to do a lot, thinking we know better. Um, but we work with really tough audiences in B2B. We're not working with the consumer, right? We're, we're working with, you know, in, info technology people and developers and engineers, and they think very differently. So when you're talking about community and you're talking about talking to these people and really understanding what they want, what does that mean?
1: So, yeah, I think you, you actually kind of need to take a step back and think about, like, who, who is that community? Because we have multiple audiences, right? Or most most people do. And you can't be, you can't have a community necessarily that's going to capture all of those audiences, nor should you have multiple communities and try to do everything all at once because that's crazy. So I think <laughs> it's really about understanding, like, what community can I serve the most and and add the most value to? And I think the way that we learn that is by talking to our customers and talking to the people that are closest to the challenges we're trying to solve. Most of the time, hopefully, those are your customers, right? But there's also Mm -hmm. advisors. There's also people that just have the experience of working through these similar challenges. Um, So, you know, that might start by forming a customer advisory board. It might start by forming com- customer community meetups where you just get your customers together and you start these conversations. And that right there, it's a community, right? Your customer mm-hmm. base is a community. And it's really more just activating that community um, and engaging that community. And I think that you can be really pointed when you have these discussions around, you know, who is it that we can help serve better? Um, and, and even your customers might say, well, we can't get aligned with our marketing operations team or our sales team. And we think there's a huge gap there and your tool actually is great for them, but they don't know how to use it. And that might tell us that there's a gap in terms of our personas and that, wow, we we value our customers and the ones that are in this role, but we're not doing as much as we could be for the ones that are in this role. And our customers are telling us that that's their biggest challenge. So maybe, you know, if we have the right the right content, the right people, all of that in place, maybe we form a community that is based on that persona. And therefore then you're kind of serving the needs of your customers from many different angles. So I think there's a lot of different ways you could go about it, but that's kind of my favorite way is to start small, um, learn from the data that you have, right? Your customers and, Mm -hmm. and, and people in your database so you understand how you can approach it, and then just go broader, go one layer out, one layer out, one layer out. And another thing is too, is you may not be reinventing the wheel, right? You may not you may not want to form a brand new community. You may just kind of be um, facilitating with a community that already exists. And I think that that's important to recognize too, is that you can become a leader in, ter- in a community or a thought leader or whatever you want to call it in a community without actually owning the community. Mm-hmm. So you can have a presence there without kind of what I like to say, like infiltration of a community. <laughs> And so you want to facil- facilitate those conversations versus infiltrate those conversations.
0: Oh my gosh, I love this so much. There's a couple examples that come to mind. One is um, my husband is is a developer and we were living out in Seattle and he used to, Scott Hanselman's a, um, a huge name in the .NET community. And he actually created a, uh, it was like every, it was once a month on Wednesdays, it was called the nerd dinner. And they would go to um, this, uh, it was a mall, but it had a giant um, food court in the middle. So anybody could go get whatever food they wanted. And then they would just hang out all night. And it just gave Scott the, you know, Scott didn't stand up and lead in front of everybody and make these big presentations. It was just an opportunity for him to float through people and conversations and join in and, and listen Mm -hmm. and take it in and to lead the.net community around what people were really facing and develop content that was really powerful and really helpful. And so that's just an example that comes to mind and what you're talking about, like a really easy way. And and to your point of like, not, you know, even facilitating and infiltrating there doesn't necessarily mean me need you to be standing up and, taking over so to speak, and sort of letting this organic thing happen by bringing people together who are really passionate about what they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just want to take that point even a little bit further is that like the whole point of community is to, to provide a voice, right. To provide a voice for those that are actually receiving the, the, the value of what you're putting out into the world. And so we also have to remember that like, we're asking for feedback. We're not here to take the stage in terms of community. It's not about you, it's about them. Um, And so most of that time is like, you're passing the mic. Like that's the whole point of community is you're giving, you're giving them an opportunity to use their voice and share with you and others. And um, you're sort of just really facilitating that, like like I said earlier, is you're you're facilitating those conversations, you're welcoming welcoming them up onto the stage and giving them the mic.
0: And in a time where things are starting to, hopefully, I don't want to say it back to normal. There will never be and <laughs> nothing will ever be the way that it was, and I and in some cases that's really good. Um, so I don't want anything, I don't want things to go back to the way that they were by any stretch of the imagination. I do think the sense of physical community is going to become powerful again and maybe even more so than we ever imagined, given how disconnected we physically have been for so long. So I think what we're all what we're talking about and taking it that step further, Hannah is like, how do you create those spaces? Like I could just and, and not really, you know, it doesn't need to be this big over the top thing. It's just having these small meetups or great little Facebook groups of bringing people together. Like I just, oh, I think this is so powerful and it just so speaks to my soul. So thank you for reminding us of like what community is in relation to how we can actually go, go do it as well.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think it's really interesting to think about. Uh, remote work, right? And I've worked remotely my entire career. So I have a little bit of a different perspective on it. Um, And I think that it's, we're uncomfortable now because we don't have all of our senses, right? Like we don't, when we're meeting somebody face to face, like we, we lean on things that are familiar to us to kind of bring us back to the moment. And we don't have that in a virtual setting. And so it's, it's off putting for a lot of people, but there are a lot of things that we can do to ground us in a virtual setting that I think probably need and deserve deeper exploration. Like we're only, I know it sounds like it, gosh, it's been a long time, but two years in the grand scheme of things is nothing. It's a blip on the radar. And so for us to say like, oh, we've done what we can with, you know, virtual and remote and, um, let's get back to in-person, I think does us a disservice because I don't think Mm -hmm. we've fully explored how to take advantage of working remotely. And I I think that a lot of, you know, this falls on a lot of leaders and organizations to do and to define, you know, some of these rituals that were once in person and are now um, virtual for everybody to sort of be more comfortable to continue life in a virtual setting, because I truly do not think it's going away at all. In fact, um, I think it's going to take over even more. Um, And I think that we're going to rely on those more intimate, you know, in-person meetups that are like with family and friends, you know, and and less work related uh, necessarily. And I think I'm okay with that. I know a lot of people are, not but I think that we can get to a place where we can be okay with it.
0: I absolutely agree that digital is definitely and virtual is not going anywhere. I'm with you, I've been remote for over 10 years and I'm really good with it. Um, And I think building community online is become a staple and uh, an absolute, not even need, but it's just gonna be part of our fabric of everything that we do. I was simply saying, like, I think there's an and here, right? There's going to have to be from everything I'm hearing in the community. There is this and that's happening on, I'm hearing it on LinkedIn of there's people who are really good with being remote, being remote for however long they feel like it. And then there's people who are like itching to get back and just like see people Mm -hmm. in, in person. And I, so I agree with you, Hannah. I think it's an, it's definitely an and statement in order to be inclusive and meet the needs across the board, it's gonna have to be figuring out how to do both and when to do both and what makes sense in doing both. And do you do both at the same time or do you have different, You know, do you do things differently depending on your audience and depending on what it is you're trying to do?
1: Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the things we talked about when we met in terms of community was the impact community can have on a brand From a, and I think we're saying this a little bit, but I really want to like overdo it a little bit, maybe. Um, Is the, is the, you, we talked about impact from a research standpoint, right? Where we're using all this opportunity to listen to our audience to really know what they need and what challenges they're facing and how we can support them. And then you talked about the, another element of that sort of layering on top in a way that the audience actually gets a say. So taking it from research to actual impact, I think is interesting and coming for consumer, but I don't know if it's coming for B2B. I don't really know what to expect with it. What are your thoughts in in your experience with thinking about community and how it Impacts the brand. What does that mean?
1: Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think community has complete control over a brand. Um, And I mean, we see this, especially today, right? Like, look at what's happening with Spotify right now, right? Yeah. The community is essentially voting. Well, half of the community <laughs> is mm. essentially voting to get rid of their paid Spotify. Spotify has zero control over that. Zero. I mean, they can do all these things in the background if they want. But at the end of the day, if they cancel, they cancel. And as a community, that is having a huge impact on Spotify's brand. The, based on the decisions that they made, is now ha- there are now repercussions to that. No matter what side you're on, right? Like, there's always going to be those repercussions to the decisions that you decide to make. And I think that we've given a lot of power to organizations to be able to make these decisions without having to deal with the repercussions. So I think that communities taking back that power and deciding, hey, you know, I, I am an investor in your product or in your service or whatever it may be, therefore, I should have a little bit more of a say um, in terms of what happens, you know, what happens with my with my investment, albeit small, right? $14.99 a month or whatever for Spotify premium. (laughs) If you kind of think of it from that perspective, it makes more sense, right? Um, We're we're not giving enough back to our communities. So the, you know, sad parts of that is, is the community then kind of taking revenge I guess and not necessarily revenge but like sort of taking that power back and like giving, um putting things into their own hands or on the flip side we see communities that actually are enabling this and find it to be extremely beneficial to learn from the community and give them some of that power um and you can even pull on examples of like voting for like a team mascot, right. For, for a, um, major league sport or, you know, those types of things that seem really silly, but are certainly going to be, um, kind of foundational for the future.
0: Just so that everybody knows. So when this, when this episode comes out, it's going to be in April. So we're in January right now. And, and what, Hannah's talking about from a Spotify standpoint um, is the issue in um, it's Willie Nelson versus Joe Rogan. Uh, It's that whole thing that's going on. And so when she's talking about voting with your dollars and saying which side, you know, that if you're pulling your dollars from Spotify, that you don't agree with the fact that they um, pulled Willie Nelson off of Spotify because of what he was saying in relation to Joe Rogan. So I'm not getting into the politics of it. I just wanted to catch everybody up on what we were talking about. And the power, I totally agree, Hannah, the power of speaking with, with, you know, how you show up with Spotify based off of how you feel that was handled is incredibly powerful.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think imagining just kind of taking that to the next level to where, it's less negative, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. now always sits in this negative connotation of like, oh, gosh, what is the community going to do about this? Are they going to cancel us? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? If we actually give a little bit more power, we'll find that the decisions and, and the innovations are actually much more beneficial and incredible to the organization and positive um, because people are excited to take part and have ownership. And so I think if we can shift to that thinking of we only, you know, we only care about the community when something bad goes wrong so we can fix it, versus we always care about the community. And in fact, we want them to tell us what to do because that's, you know, we want to develop the things that they want to use and find useful. And then one step further, which I'm sure we're going to get into is we want to leverage the community to help us build those things in ways that we can't do ourselves.
0: Like you have a crystal ball over there, Hannah. Exactly. I was trying to, my my point was we talked a lot about from the consumer standpoint, but from a B2B perspective, like how how does community come into play there in terms of leveraging them? Um, and yes, I I believe what you're saying is they can actually help us build the product to be what it is that they need it to be versus what we, again, what we think they want it to be.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So how do we do that? How do we bring them in?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're, I think we're moving in the right direction. We've had like this flurry of product-led growth um, (laughs) craziness, which in my opinion, it's actually just community-led growth in a sense. Um, So I think that like we're thinking about the right things or we're starting to. Um, The problem, I believe, as it normally is, is then we get wrapped up in, well, what are all these definitions and acronyms and strategies and technologies? Um, And that kind of throws us off a little bit. So... I I think we're moving in the right direction, but I do feel like there's kind of this like slow period of trying to learn the space in terms of um, like operationalizing it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into, I think we spend too much time there, but um, yeah, I think we're getting there and you'll see more and more people are leveraging other individuals or other communities to be, for example, like on customer advisory boards or, um, even thinking about like speaking on panels, like you'll see this trend a little bit more. We, we see people and they host their webinars and it was like this one very like kind of, I'm going to sit here with my deck and explain to you what I think um, and how our company approaches this problem versus what we're seeing a little bit more of now and what we'll certainly see in the future is no slide deck, Um, I don't really want to hear the owner or the host of this webinar talking to me about their product, I want them to be facilitating a conversation around the real issue at hand and bringing in experts uh, to discuss the potential solutions, and I also don't care if those people are you know the head honchos of these other organizations. I want people who actually know the issues, who people, people who are actually working on these things or working with these tools. So that might be a customer, that might be, um, you know, just a thought leader, that might be an individual contributor. So that that role, I guess, is a little less important. Well, I wouldn't even say the role, I would say like the amount of money that you make is less important. The power that you have is less important. The perceived power that you have is less important. It's more about your contributions.
0: Yes. To all that it's happening. It's totally happening. Mm
1: -hmm. And I'm
0: so grateful. I, I completely agree. Um, podcasts, roundtables, live events, um, which are all panel based and discussion based and, and virtual, you know, that's the beauty of it too, is how virtual it can be. Um, and it can be both, it can be virtual and in person and you can do, you can, you can broadcast it as well as host it in person. And that's sort of the beauty of what's happening in. Oh, I totally agree. It, it is a shift away from webinars. Thank goodness. Because man.
1: <sighs> right. And, and that's just one example, right? I think more and more we'll start to see little trends of instead of us dictating, we're going to ask and we're going to collaborate. And so there's going to be so many different ways that could be, you know, seen happening. But, I, you know, webinars is one, right? Email is going to be another. People do, people already are like, don't email me. If you want to email mm-hmm. me, you can, you can pay, you can contribute to this charity. And that gives you access to me. Um, so, right, like it's giving back that control to the consumer or to whoever we're on, is on the other side of it. So I just think that there's lots of different things that you could keep your eye out for where you can start to see this transformation. Talk about
0: this all day. <laughs> Same. Because <laughs> you don't know what's even happening until like, like now that we're talking about it, I can just see all the trends of this, right? In terms of community and how community is making change. I can see this in terms of, how people are starting to move their marketing to, to meet that change. I mean, the Great Resignation is another example of people demanding change, right? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And
0: and what it means to to work and to live and to and to do both and to do both well and and they're speaking now with their right to work where they want to work and having that ability to do that. Like, yes, that's community. That's a community movement.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's exciting.
0: <sighs> it is. And I think it's going to make change happen faster. Like it's happening oh, really yeah. fast.
1: It's happening. It, it is going to happen so insanely fast that people are not know, going to know what to do. Honestly, it's already happening.
0: Yeah. And I think when you start to put this framework around it, it's very easy to start spotting it and spotting the trenches. Just- the trends and getting ahead of it and being a part of it. And it's exciting. So thank you. Thank you for joining me and for sharing your love of community and how we can lean into that better and what it means and how this movement is, is changing our world and how we get to get in the boat and, and figure out how to bring it along with us. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Before we wrap up here, Han, I have three people first questions, because like you keep saying, we are the people business and we are, and we're more than marketers. And I always just like to pull back the curtain and share a bit more about who you are. And so I have my rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, Have you picked up any new hobbies these last two years?
1: (laughs) Um, Yes, I have. Let's see, which one do I want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, think, I think my newest, and we had like a whole conversation about this, but my newest, I don't even want to call it a hobby, but my newest fascination and um, what I'm learning about is Web3, crypto, mm-hmm. NFTs, that whole world and um, which we could be an entire podcast in itself. So that, <laughs> that's what I've gone into. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by what is happening in the Web three space. I think that every single person should be spending some time researching. Um, you're not going to regret it. I promise you, you're not going to regret it. Um, I am just be involved in, and especially if you're in community if you're a community manager oh my gosh you need to see what they're doing you need to see how like these og communities like thinking about gaming communities right like that's mm-hmm. where it kind of started um anyway so that's that's really where i've been spending some of my extra time is learning you know all things web 3 that i can smash into my brain and mm-hmm. and actually you know doing some of it right i'm um freshening up some of my coding not that I'm going to be any coder anytime soon but I think it's good to be able to understand what you're reading right and being able to understand uh what you're reading in terms of what's in a smart contract what's what does the code look like that helps with some of the vulnerabilities that you're exposed to um I think it's it's going to be a culture change in terms of things like NFTs. So I've I've been spending some time in NFTs. I don't think it's the end all, you know, kind of answer to things. But I think it is very interesting to think about the application beyond what it is today.
0: It would be an entirely bigger podcast. And maybe I'll have you back on in, in a few months as you continue to unravel. Because, man, is it is a rabbit hole. Um, you start down this journey and you can get. Sucked right in. I totally love that it's a hobby of yours because it it can it can certainly be that. Yes, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, it takes up a lot of time. And if you uh if you sleep for one hour in Web3, you wake up and you're like, why am I 80 years old? And what happened?
0: Oh yeah, it's inception. <laughs> it is totally inception. Beware. Beware. Yes, please
1: beware. Listener, beware. <laughs> beware.
0: All right, second question for you. Uh, if you could, or maybe you will travel to see some of your clients and your agencies and partners and mentoring, and you'll be with people in person a little bit. Um, I love that you love to do things virtually, so maybe you'll find a way to do this virtually, but if you could be with your people and have music playing overhead to set the vibe, what song would you want playing?
1: Oh, that is a great question. I would say, like, a lot of the songs I w- would want playing are not like not safe for work, but uh, like, that's never stopped me before. I'd probably play some like Doja Cat. That's definitely like my girl right now. <laughs> um, I don't know what song, though, all of her songs are like pretty explicit, man. <laughs> I'll I'd just write, to, have, I'll, I'll add it like,
0: to the. I will add it to our Spotify playlist and if people want to just jump on over that they can or if you want to just rock out, you can make that happen too. They choose your own adventure.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, funny funny thing is I love music and that's actually another one of my hobbies is music discovery and I have a um, a playlist called Crest of the Month that I update every single month with just like, um, you know, heavy hitters and things that I'm listening to right now and new music. So it has been a lot of Doja Cat every month on that uh, playlist that there's, I can send you the link so you can share. Yes, please,
0: please do. All right. Last question for Johanna. If you could travel to anywhere in the world without any restrictions or any challenges, and you could just snap your fingers and magically be anywhere, where would you go and why?
1: Hmm. That is another hard question. I... Would love to go. You know, I I went to um St. John's when I was younger and I don't think I'd been somewhere like it was like St. Thomas and then we went to St. John's. I had not experienced like that amount of just like peace and feeling like I could just let go and in. in for in ever ever I've never experienced that um so I I feel like it's like less of where I would go but I know that I felt it there I would certainly go back there um any of the you know Virgin Islands and um the Caribbean I, I would love to go to Belize would love to go to um Uh, I have, I've never been to like France. I'd love to go to France. I'd love to go to the South of France. So I'm like giving you more than one answer, which is not what you want. And I'm sorry. That's great.
0: No, (laughs) I love, I love how you went on this journey of like not knowing what, and then all of a sudden having this roadmap of your next adventure. (laughs) It's going to be great. I want to add South of, um, I'm going to add Tuscany in there because there there's a resort out there that reminds me of what you just described in St. John's, and I think you'd get the same experience there. So I'll send you pictures.
1: Yeah, um, I would love that. Take me to Tuscany. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> gorgeous, it's gorgeous.
1: Hannah, it was so
0: good to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your journey and your passion for community. It was an eye opener, and I'm grateful. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was such a good combo.
0: my conversation with Hanna Jakover. If you're interested in hearing more from Hanna about Web3, demand gen, marketing strategy, or empowerment coaching, be sure to connect with Hanna on LinkedIn. Link is in the show notes. Thank you, Hanna, for joining me. It was such an honor to meet you and to to really dig into what Web3 means around community. I appreciate it. In the next episode, I chat with Robert Newman, where we talk about his personalized account-based marketing strategy. Stay on and Autoplay will take you there. Thank you for tuning in to season 11. This episode was brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency that helps cybersecurity and data companies get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG, music mix and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply.